<laughs> Welcome to the Comedy Store Podcast. We're just waxing about Tab and uh, other fine 80s diet sodas, Pepsi Free, all the good stuff from back in the day. Jolt uh, Cola. Jolt was the bomb. And I, there were, I, I didn't find out till mid-90s, but there was multiple flavors of Jolt. There was? Yeah, they had like grape and orange and a couple other ones. I found them at a truck stop in like eastern Colorado one time at a Rip Griffin's truck stop. And I was like, look at all the flavors of Jolt. That's weird. Got I only remember up. the one. And it really reminds me of Robin Williams, the can, and I don't know, like Mork and Mindy. Right. It has nothing to do with it, but it just feels like Mork. <laughs> when I look at Jolt Cole, it's like, a, you know, nanu nanu Jolt, <laughs> you know? He, he probably, uh, he had to be on something similar to jolt i mean it might have been more cocaine induced but yeah, his energy level was as if he were doing just straight thunder bumps of jolt cola as long as he could it's weird because w- when i did coke i was never like hey man ah! no it's the opposite for me i think it's like riddling because i'm already hyper right so it would do the opposite and i'd become an introvert and be all like in a corner like we got to go to magic mountain tomorrow. <laughs> now uh what, what year did you were you raised? No, you were raised in Texas. I was ra- no, I was raised in the Bay Area. A Bay Area, okay. But I was here all the time because I played music. So I hung out in the comedy store in the late 80s. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, 80, 80, 87, 88, 89, I believe. I don't really remember exactly. Maybe 88. Whenever Dice was really kind of starting, Okay. Uh, he would do the main room. Like I think they did a potluck in there, and he would kind of go on. You know, you right. know, like on a Monday, and it was a big deal, man. A line down the corner, people were like, "You got to see this guy. He just fucking insults people." Dice man, just being the yeah. epitome of the dice man. Exactly. It was. It was. It was mind-boggling to me because I loved comedy all my life, uh, but comedy was something I went and saw in big theaters. It'd be like Carlin, right. or or you know, you go see uh, Kennison or. Uh, I mean, but I didn't get to see like, but Cheech and Chong, those guys right. would do like uh, theaters. Um, and I loved Pryor, but it was the records. But they, yeah. to see him on stage, you know, and, and like what he was doing at the time was so radical. Even right now is still pretty radical. If yeah. you're looking at a couple and you're like, yo, is that your girl? What a whole, you know, you're like, whoa, what the fuck? This guy is intense. Yeah, it's radical, right? Yeah, when uh, I I toured with him a couple different times, and it's crowds of people that are there to see him. Yep. Um, you know, this was 2005, probably something like that. And so, I mean, it's, it's obviously after his prime, but yeah. he's still packing out clubs and uh yeah we did a couple theaters in vegas there were a couple thousand and stuff and people just loving it it's the same I, thing. I love that you said that because there's always people and i always they're like such fair weather fans in entertainment like uh you know like for instance i love the black crows and right. i would go see them every year and people would go i go yeah what'd you do i said oh i saw the black crows those guys still around yeah, yeah, you know, that, just because they didn't have that radio hit that you yeah. fucking needed. They're not you know on what I mean? pop radio. So yeah, and that, that's what I love about oh, Dice and yeah. Polly and all these guys still working. Yeah, and 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 an an amazing draw from the days of the grassroots of building what they built. Yeah, for I mean, sure. Who, who doesn't want that? Like some people might go like, oh, man, they're out there. That's sad. It's like, what's sad? They wanted to be comedians yeah. and they're doing theaters or small, uh, small mini theaters and working. 
Yeah. I mean, part of what's cool about comedians is a, a lot of people, I don't think they are able to differentiate between entertainers in general. So yeah. it's like if you're, if they're not in a movie or on a TV show, then they're not successful. Yeah. But if you have a comedy career and you're out performing several weekends a month, yeah, packing out shows, crushing it on the road, you're still very successful Brian at your Regan main gig. It's not on TV. Right. You know what I'm saying? But and that guy just destroys. Destroys. A full Dude, destroyer. Yeah. Massive theaters, cruising around, yeah. private jet, whatever. Making good money, what not people, sitting in a cubicle. What, yeah, that's what I was just going to say. What people don't understand is I'd rather do comedy 25, 30 years later in my career on the backside to 50 people than work at, like, Chipotle. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what are you fucking talking about? Even sitting That's in win. A, yeah, even sitting in an office where you're making, you know, middle-class money sounds like a nightmare to me. Just selling your fucking hours yeah. for, you know, for people that don't give a fuck about you. At all. They'll fire at you in all. a moment. They moment. don't give a fuck, yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean, this is one of those those few businesses, I guess, where... Uh, you you own yourself and yep. you're selling yourself and you don't have to count on other people other than you know clubs or whatever it is. But that's it. You know that's why that's why I feel like I've already made it. Yeah. You know what I mean? People are like, you know, man, hopefully you'll get this and that. I go, you don't understand. I'm 49. I've already made it. Yeah. I'm doing comedy in Hollywood, California, at the number one fucking club. Regularly. My name is on the wall. Yeah. Five years ago, I wasn't doing comedy. Right. I was working at a Harley dealer with dicks around me that did, <laughs> that were just jaded, bitter, been there too long. Right. The, the owner's not firing them. Right. You know, and I'm just like, this ain't for me. I'd been on stage 25 years. So yeah, to get off stage for a couple of years, you go, oh, uh, this is wrong. Now, uh, you, you were a musician for Correct. A, uh, a while. 25 years. 25 years yep. of playing music. Uh, what, what was it that finally made you go, you know what? I'm a funny motherfucker. I gotta, I gotta start doing comedy. Well, how do you make that transition? What back? I mean, I wanted to do comedy as a kid, but right. when I was a kid in the seventies, there wasn't kids doing comedy. Yeah. It's not like now where you just go, Oh, they got a comedy camp and everywhere. And, yeah, yeah. and the parents drop you off and you learn comedy. And then right. there was none of that. It was, uh, the comics that were working when I was young were Bobcat. Bobby Slayton, Kerry Snow, uh, Robin Williams, you know, in the Bay Area. Yeah. And I loved it. And I loved Saturday Night Live. I'm old enough to know the first couple seasons. I loved John Belushi. Right. I fucking loved him. I wanted to be John Belushi. Yeah. I would do like stuff at sixth grade at the, like they'd have plays and we'd just do like. Just reenact skits. We, yeah. We'd yeah. be like, oh, no Pepsi Coke, you yeah. know, and, and, and that shit. And I really wanted to do it. And at the same time, I fucking worshipped rock and roll. Yeah. So the outlaw of comedy and the outlaw of rock appealed to me, the same as motorcycles did, Evil Knievel. Right. It's just that whole danger element. And um, Not living life with the same safe path that everyone else is following. Exactly. And my, having no excitement and no stories to tell. Yeah, my world was already weird. I was born in Yosemite. You know, oh, wow. my mom was a hippie, worked up there. So, you know, nice. I lived in Yosemite and, and and then my parents divorced, but I spent massive amounts of time up there, summer, Christmas and shit. So I was already felt different, you know? Right. But 
Uh, I really believe it was early stuff like Belushi and then Caddyshack. I, you know, I used to love to try to do Carl, you know, Cinderella uh, Kid, you know, yeah. <laughs> terrible now, but I, I could do him. I, yeah, and I could do my metal shop teacher. He would always be like, put your goggles on. And I would do him <laughs> exact, and he would get so fucking mad. That's, that's awesome. When I was growing up, I had a gym teacher named Mr. Juracek, who was just a, a total asshole and a moron. Yeah. And I would Im imitate him all the time. And then when I came to the comedy store, uh, I met random people. I was working here and I kind of started standing out, I guess a little bit when, when I was very young doorman by, uh, by mocking people. Yeah. That's you could do thing. guys. Perfect. So I started, you could do Argus. Argus yeah. And, and my Argus was literally just my Mr. Juracek impression yeah. with a slight more twang and a bunch of Hollywood uh, bullshit stories that I was making up. Yeah, it's great. But it was literally just a straight evolution from Mr. Juracek into, hi, bud, into, yeah. Yeah. hi, good to be here, everybody. <laughs> I and, remember uh, first seeing, like, uh, I mean, we're jumping ahead, but I remember would see you, you would do Argus, and I and I would just be like, oh, fuck, that's exact. And you'd be like, <laughs> I can't believe how much cocaine I did tonight. <laughs> you know, it's just hilarious. Yeah, the, the Argus, it was interesting because it, uh, he was like, he was untouchable. When I showed up, Mitzi was still around a lot and people were just like, you got to be nice to Argus. Yeah. And Argus was always really cool with me. And he, uh, I worked the back door. So it was kind of one of those situations where you're trapped. You can't go anywhere because yeah. you have to check IDs and Argus would come out and start telling me old stories. And he has an amazing way of telling you like extended boring parts of amazing stories where there's like just these incredible aspects to the story, but he doesn't tell you that part. He, he tells you like all these details that are not necessary yeah, at all. Yeah. He, he doesn't self-edit. Yeah. I'm it's funny. Like, what like is he when, talking about? Sometimes when I do podcasts, people are like, Hey, you didn't really get too much into that. It's like, Hey man, we're on a podcast. Yeah. It's gotta be entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not giving you the three hour version. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I, I do. I do. I do like talking to some of the uh, older guys like Argus and stuff. I like talking to all the levels of comedy Yeah, because I'm only five and a half years in and you could get it crazy by you, the way. Oh, you know, thanks. I mean, you were crushing it. Ah, man, it's five and a half years is uh, I mean, that's like a bit. You're a baby in terms of, I am totally. That's crazy. Yeah, though. I'm five years old. Yeah. You know, I, I guess maybe the music gave you stage presence, a presence, confidence yeah. on stage that takes yeah. other people longer to achieve. I suppose. I, I think when you're on stage for 25 years, of course, that's immediately erased. Right. But you still have a lot of hurdles, which I wasn't aware of. And recently talked to Burr about it and a few other people. Uh, the comics I love are in their 40s. Okay. But they've been in the game 20 years and stuff. Right. But they're still in their 40s. Yeah. The way the business looks at people, it blows my mind. It's like... You know, uh, well, yeah, that Dean guy, yeah, he's he's 49. You know what I mean? Right. And it's like, 
Yeah, so are the other guys. Yeah, so. yeah just because I haven't been in that long, I understand what you're saying. But if you're just going on an age thing, all the best guys yeah. are in their 40s. Yeah. Marin is 52. Yeah. Burr is 45. Uh, CK is 46. I'm not comparing myself to them, but what I'm saying is the age. Yeah, that's it's it, irrelevant. It really is. And everybody of- always knows the Rodney story. He started, uh, well, he started when he was young, and then he quit and came back in his 40s. Right. So I think as long as your material is not in your 40s, as far as like, hey, how about that Pac-Man game? <laughs> right. <laughs> you you, know you stay I mean? relevant. Stay relevant. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it, it's one of those things, too, where it's like uh, you, you have to have lived life. 100 to have 100%. a perspective that is going to be universal or close to it, at least. Yeah. Like, I've been doing comedy since I was 18 years old and I thought I was amazing when yeah. I was young. Like it's just one you're just like, Oh, this is great. And looking back, I've watched videos in the last couple of years of me when I was like 20 and doing comedy and it's such stupid shit Yeah, because I literally had lived nothing. I'm like two years off of just, you know, sucking off my parents' teeth still. Yeah, right. And it's like the things I'm talking about were so stupid. Yeah. Same like uh, Nick Youssef, when I first showed up here, he wasn't old enough to get in the club yet. And like he'd go on stage and like talk about how stupid shit in high school was. Right. And it's like he'd connect with a few of the young people, but everyone else is just like, well, there's adults in have the you, crowd. Yeah, it's like, yeah. have you have you not lived at all? Yeah. So I, I think it's uh, when you're in your 40s, if you've done it, if you've lived right, yeah, you're going to have things to talk about. You're going to have observed things that are funny. Yeah, absolutely. I think you can tool them up quicker too. Yeah. Because you're just kind of like, look at that. And, and you figure out how to try to make that funny, uh, without the standard premise of other people. You know, I mean, if everybody's talking about say Facebook, I don't even have a Facebook, there's a fan page, but I don't have one. But if everybody's talking about that, uh, and you're in your forties, that doesn't matter to you much as much as the time you did too much cocaine right. uh, at a party in Laurel Canyon. Now people are like, well, let's hear about that. Yeah. That like, that's <laughs> something I want to hear about. That sounds like something fucking yeah. funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, and also, I mean, there's a lot of people who have experienced doing drugs and things like that. And they probably don't have exciting stories yeah. for it. It's like, they did some uh, coke with their buddy in Wyoming, and then they sat around and did nothing. Yeah, right. So it's like you, right. people always think it's going to be crazy, but w- when you're doing that stuff in a place like the Sunset Strip in Hollywood, things have a tendency to get a little crazier. Absolutely, and and who you're next to doing them, right? You you, it's, you it's drop not, down, you do. It's a not line Jake and, from the gas station. <laughs> yeah, you look to your right and you go, "Whoa, that's uh, such and such." Yeah, you, you know, I don't want to blow people's drug use out, but you're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, "Holy yeah. shit!" Everybody's got this this powder in common. Yeah. You know, that's really what I love about this place. Uh, when I decided to start comedy, I was like, I'm going there because it reminded me of the eighties, uh, danger. It's the last dangerous place on sunset besides the rainbow, right? You know, because the rainbow is still exactly the same as it was. So is the comedy store. Yeah. Uh, and it feels dangerous. It, it, it feels rock and roll and it really feels, uh, legit to me when I got yeah. here. Yeah. There, there's been, uh, like I've been here since I was 21. So I've been here for 13 years coming to the comedy store and there's been multiple waves of extensive drug use Yeah, where for, you know, a, a year in some cases, or at least, you know, 
five, six months where it's just like there's serious yeah. drug usage going on still where you're just like, what What <laughs> yeah. year is it? Is this, it's yeah. 2007. Why, why <laughs> is there? Crazy? Yeah. Like, and I'm is? walking around going, what is this? 88. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's true. It's crazy. Yeah. It's one of those buildings though, where uh, like to me, it always seemed when I was here, I used to be here every night. Yeah. And uh, it was like a magnet for, crazy people. Yeah. Last night there was a crazy fucking guy here. Was that the guy who approached Went on the stage? stage? Yeah. yeah. And then he, he was out front. He, he took chi- his shirt off, took his shirt off yeah. he was, and he was like pointing at people and, but not never saying like, you want some of me or any of that. He's like, right. <laughs> Full growl. She's fucking the growler. The growler <laughs> showed up at the comedy store. That'd be great if he was actually, you know, it'd be fucking fantastic is if he was actually, working on like a genius next level Kaufman thing. Yeah. He's, he's, he's could like, you imagine I'm going to do this? Like he actually, I'm going to say a word the whole yeah, time. I don't say a word. I'm just the angry ex jock. <laughs> be so great. That'd be awesome. <laughs> he's uh Henry Rollins lookalike yep. just out there beasting on people. Cause he, this guy was pretty fun. I mean, I see some I, nutty people, but this guy was nuts. Yeah. Well, I, I saw him when he took his shirt off Yeah, and I was like, who's that? And someone was like, yeah, he, he tried to go on stage in the main room. I'm like, Oh yeah. Why, why Porter was on. So I was right. in the uh, main, in the green room uh, getting ready to go on and I hear big laughs. Everything's going on. All of a sudden I hear silence. I go, Oh fuck. Did he call me up? You know what I mean? Right. Like, did I miss it? And I run out and it's some weirdo getting thrown out. You know? Yeah. That's one of those moments where I'm like, wow, it's, it's nice that the comedy store finally has, uh, actual security guards. Cause yeah. Yeah. In my day, that would have been my job. Yeah. Right. It was, yeah. it was the funniest to watch the situation where the manager would come out and be like, Ricky, you, you got to go get him out of here. I'd be like, what? Yeah. And back then I wait like a buck 35. Yeah. Hey, just you like, guys you want me to do go. what? Yeah. Uh, sorry. You guys got to leave. Uh, who's going to make me a dick? I, I guess I'll go find someone. <laughs> yeah, right. It was uh the the main move back then was uh you'd ask them to leave, and then when they wouldn't, you would just go find Richie Taylor, the manager. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You'd be like, dude, there's some big dude in there, and you won't leave, and just immediately, yeah. uh Quarterback Richie's. I love that guy. He switched to defense now. He's like, oh, we're gonna get him out of here. <laughs> He'd go in and be so funny. As soon as the guy made one comment about Richie being short or something, it was over. Oh. And then it was like, then we had to prevent Richie from instigating this and do a full fight. Yeah, he 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 all of a sudden like, hey, I kind of like this. Yeah, he's, he's into <laughs> it. I watched him pick a dude up who was probably six or seven inches taller than him. Easily had forty pounds on him. Richie just picked him up like he was like a midget. Wow. Just, Wow. Round just underneath the waist, lifted him up, carried him all the way out, and just tossed him in the front patio. <laughs> and we were like, like, oh, that's the manager? Perfect. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's uh it's a it's a weird dynamic, you know, because you 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 don't know who's in the crowd, you yeah. know. And you could touch a guy's button, man. I remember I was doing a gig, um, and I used to have this bit about kung fu schools. Cause they're all over Hollywood. And I'm yeah. like, who the fuck is taking Kung Fu? No one. Yeah. If there was this many schools, you would see a fucking guy once in a while, use some Kung Fu at like the <laughs> saddle. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, just one, you'd be like, yeah. you know what happened last night? No, what? This guy said, fuck you to a guy. He fucking whipped out nunchucks, a smoke bomb and just kicked the guy's ass. He right. broke out Kung Fu. Right. He broke uh, out right Kung there Kung on Fu. sunset. So I'm doing the bit and I go, you know, there's no fucking Kung Fu, man. It's fake. And some guy from the back of the club goes, I'll show you Kung Fu. 
<laughs> and I go, what's that? And I say, look, he's charging towards the stage. Oh, like perfect. fucking full speed. Yeah. And I'm on the stage. And right when he gets to- right at the stage, I kick him in his chest. Nice. Like fucking, and he goes flying over two rows <laughs> of fucking tables. And he's, he, I kicked the, you know, the wind out of him. So he's like, oh, oh and they just throw him out. I was like, I don't know what he's going to do. Yeah. I, I'm not even like a, a fighter or a violent yeah. guy. But when your guy's charging you and you're on stage with adrenaline, yeah. like, this guy's out. I, I had a guy charge me once and luckily the security was in La Jolla. Security oh. down there grabbed him before he got there. But in my mind, I'm already like, what do I do? Do I spike the microphone off this dude's face? Something, I got to do right? something. Yeah. I mean, I'm defending myself. Yeah. But security ran up and grabbed the guy, luckily. But I I, I don't even remember what I said. He was furious. I think yeah. I was making fun of Texas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. So mad. It's weird how people... Uh, Forget they're in a comedy club. Right. You're up there riffing Take and having seriously. fun, and all of a sudden they go, that guy's talking shit about my state. Yeah. And you're going like, yeah, dude, I'm talking about shit about everything. Yeah. You know, just your state's one of them. I talked yeah. about well, shit about myself. We're, we're going to get through all 50 if you give me time, sir. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I've had, uh, it took me a while when I started doing a lot of crowd work. Um I, I kind of started doing it, learning to do it when I was on the road with Dice, because I, I would do, at the time, I just had normal jokes, you know, about being from Kansas and yeah. shit, and uh, Dice crowds were fucking mean. Yeah. Like, just brutal. Like, I'd go up there, you know, like, oh, I'm from Kansas, Boom. so that means, the, get off the stage, pussy! <laughs> just, like, brutal shit. I was 23. I got a lot of, shut up, faggot! Yeah. I'd be like, whoa! Yeah, right? It's, uh, it was like, uh, there's a couple times where I was just struggling. And then Dice was like, you can't, you can't let them see that they're winning. You got to fucking destroy them. Someone yells at you, yell back. I was yeah. like, okay. And with the Dice crowd, there's no, there's no limits. Like you can literally just, all you have to say is like, yeah, go suck a dick, faggot. Yeah. And the whole yeah. crowd will love it. Yeah. Like the more aggressive and mean you are, just straightforward. Yeah. The crowd is totally into it. So I was like, oh, okay. So I started doing that. Um, and it was working great for those crowds, but then I'd come back to LA <laughs> yeah, and perform yeah. the improv. Go and, suck a dick. Yeah, people <laughs> were just like, geez, this guy's kind of an asshole. <laughs> I had to fucking learn, like, oh, okay, so mm. in a normal crowd, I got to be more charming about it. You can't just fucking yeah, tell so, I hope your mom dies. And everyone, yeah. But yeah. here it's like, whoa, whoa. Some girl was talking in the crowd last night. She just kept talking and talking and talking. Main room, you're in there. Yeah. I finally look over. I go, what the fuck are you doing? She goes, my friend got in a car crash. I'm like, good. <laughs> now you know how I feel. Yeah. I'm up here. I'm in a car this. crash. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. With you talking. Yeah. I didn't mean good that her friend was in a car crash, but it was like, all right, you've got a little pain. I'm going through this pain yeah. of you talking through my set right you, now. You know where a great place to discuss your friend's car crashes? Outside of the showroom. Yeah, go to her fucking <laughs> rescue. Yeah. You know what I mean? Don't stay in the showroom. Go in the like, fucking well, hallway. Carol got in a car crash. Yeah. Wow, yeah. That's ridiculous. It's I love watching you. Uh, it's funny because the way I approached comedy was the first year, of course, I was just trying to get on. Mm-hmm. And I had, a, you know, like three, five minutes or whatever working stuff. The second year, I I approached it like, 
I'll go on first in any show. I wanted to see what it was like. No one wants to go first. Yeah. And if I could get more spots, I'd say, hey, if I can get on the show, I'll go first. I don't care. When you say I'll go first, you'll get a lot of spots. Yeah, a lot of people are into that. Yep. Oh, you're volunteering? Okay. Yeah, and you learn how to cold open. And then the the third year, I went. I said, "I'll go last any show you got, not headline last." Yeah. Talking about after they the put up everyone on the lineup, dudes, and, yeah. yeah, got a lot of spots that way. The fifth year, which is uh, like I'm on the, which is all of last year. Okay, I did completely, mostly a lot of crowd work to to work that muscle. Yeah. and I watched you and. Uh, and I, and I watched a lot of guys, uh, Godfrey did a lot of fun crowd work, but a lot, a lot of guys, but you a lot. And then you start to see the art of that. You know, you don't want to be mean. Right. Sometimes you are mean. I've, I've gone on and went, fuck, I was too mean tonight. Yeah. It's just how I, I am. I can't just, sometimes I go on, I'm, I'm mad. I'm, I'm not mad. I'm just, I'm. I'm Irritated. overworked or yeah. whatever, and yeah. I get on and I shower and I I'm ready to go on. And I come down and someone's like, "Yeah, this guy's not a star." Now I'm I'm angry. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because it's like I, you know, you deserve as much respect as anyone else. I'm in the I middle agree. of this lineup for yeah. some reason. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm working it's hard. Not an accident. Just give me a couple minutes. Yeah, you know. So I learned a lot from doing the crowd work. Um, and, and I also loved uh, when I watched the Louis C.K. episode, there was one where Godfrey was on and uh, the way he tipped his hat to crowd work was amazing. What he said was uh, he had his niece at the cellar. He had to babysit his niece and Godfrey was on and and his niece goes, oh, God, this guy's so funny. And, and Louis goes, yeah, man. He's just doing crowd work, you know? And she goes, I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's great. It's funny. Yeah. So in the next scene, you see Louie's up there. And he's like, hey, uh, nice shirt. The guy goes, just do jokes, asshole. You know, <laughs> that was his way of showing that's a fucking art. Yeah. It's, that's an it art is. form. And it's it, a skill that not everyone has. So. It, it really is because they, I remember one time uh, Cap, watched me and he goes, man, that's a danger, you know, uh, you're cause your crowd work could be bigger than your, your bits. Right. And so I was like, I enjoy that date challenge. Yeah. Let's see if I can make them both. Yeah. Great. I mean, I'm, that's, I'm at the point now where I'm trying to do more bits. I see you. Yeah. And do less crowd work. Cause it's, it got to the point where I was can't get on TV. All, yeah. I was doing all crowd work and I did that for years. And it's like, but this is great for me and the comedians that are here every night and don't want to see the same set, but right. Uh, no one in the industry is interested in seeing it. Yeah. And it's like one of those things where like if, if you get successful, then they'll be happy to watch it. And Absolutely. then at that point you'll be brilliant. But yeah. until then it's like, he's right. just, he's just up there making fun of people. So I think I'm trying a, to, trying a, to get yeah. it to where my bits are as, it's uh, great. That's it's a great funny. formula, though, because if you're crushing with crowd work and your bits are crushing, you're undeniable because yeah. you can weave in and out. I've learned and prepared for every situation. Yeah. Like there's a couple of comics and I, I won't say names because I don't want to sell anyone out, but they're great, great comics. Yeah. And I just watch them crush so many times here. Main room OR and uh, been a couple of times where you know, someone was doing something stupid in the crowd or being loud or whatever. And it just completely threw them off. Yeah. And then it just, it was just a disaster for the last eight minutes. Cause they were so flustered that they couldn't go straight through their, right. their bits where it's like every single breath is prepared. 
I yeah. just remember being like, man, that that to me that looks horrifying. I don't want to be helpless at any point. Yeah. So I wanted to learn the bit. I when I grew up, you know, I grew up. It was called capping. You know, some people now it's like big thing is roasting, but you know, the locker uh, in between periods, like, yo man, what's with those shoes for, you know, yeah. your mama shops at Kmart, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. And, and I can see when you're pushing a guy's button to a limit to where they, they want to fight. They're about whatever. to snap. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a fine line, but I was really good at it. And I pushed it down because it was almost too evil all the time. Right. But now I've 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 figured out how to tap into it a little bit. If they're shitty, I'll fucking be shitty to them. But if they're good, I'll riff and have fun. You know. Yeah. And, and another thing that it took me a while to learn, but was uh, one if someone's acting like an asshole, you can you can shred them to pieces, and totally. people will be on your side. Uh, it's it's tough to do crowd work with females because. Uh, in general, people see them uh, as being victimized when you do that. Right. But if they're drunk and being loud, yep. then it's a fucking witch hunt, and they're yeah. happy to watch you destroy her. Absolutely. But what, one of the things that it took me a while to learn was uh, a kind of army mentality of sometimes you sacrifice one for the greater good of everyone. I, all the time. And uh, All the time. Let's fix this. Yeah. And as long as you, as long as you don't focus for... Forever on that one person. Yep. You move from person to person. Everyone gets a little piece. People are generally cool with it. Yep. Uh, even if it's like you're making fun of them, they look uncomfortable, but they know, you know, in a minute, you're going to be making fun of someone else. So, yeah. Yeah. But I use it as a callback. Yeah. You know, a lot of times. I'll and it's be- an inside joke at that point. Exactly. So everyone in the crowd is going to relate. Exactly. There's a, there's a, an issue that I always saw with comedy of comics. You know, they go up their set. And, you know, sometimes they're doing a bit that means something to them and 30% of the crowd totally yeah. gets it. But then 70% of the crowd is just like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking yeah. about. It happens a lot with uh, when you see comics doing bits about their kids. Yep. And there's a, a, a lot of young kids in their 20s in the audience. And they're just sitting there like, check it out. I don't have any responsibility at yep. all. I don't know. This doesn't make any sense to me. It's not really that funny. But. If you're if you're interacting with people, then everyone's in on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I, I recently have been trying to get this bit to work for a year. It fucking works, but only with about thirty percent of the people, like you're saying. And and it's such a big part of me. But it's a bit about uh, people say rock is dead, right? And and I, and I say I I don't believe that. You know, that's it's just you don't care anymore, or you don't know how to steal it on the internet. But when, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's yeah. just the bottom line. Yeah. It's not dead. There's I could There's name tons of music 50 bands right now that are right. incredible right now. And I'm 49 and they're new bands. Like, wow, this is this is some great music. So I have this big bit about it's not dead. It's just not dangerous anymore. Right. And then I go through the bit. Yeah, yeah. I've, and, I've heard it. It's very yeah, funny. Sometimes yeah. it crushes, like it crushes over at uh, Meltdown, where it's a comic book, where they're into art and music right. and movies and everything. But if it's a, a crowd that's just not passionate about music like me, right? they're just out completely. Yeah. And it's crazy because I'm like, 
most of my bits, even if you don't know, uh, if you're not down with what I'm talking about, you're on board because it's, uh, you know. You're something. presenting it yeah, professionally, right. yeah. But this one is just always 30, 80, you yeah. know, maybe 50, 50. <laughs> and once in a while when it's 100%, I go, oh, I finally got that thing working again. Right. You know, and it's just. Like, I figured it out. It's not, and then the next day it's not. And like, I really want it because I'm fucking a rock. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's all, it's like weird. So, yeah. Uh, who, who got you in at the store? Did you just show up and start doing open mics? Yeah. Did you, you did the open mic here? Yeah, I did the, uh, I started, um, what, December, December 6, 2010, I believe it is. Okay. And did you, had you been doing comedy elsewhere or did you Never. start here? Here's what happened. I played music 25 years. And then it was just kind of over because of the you I was never a star, but I made records and I and it was during the era where you could just kind of play forever and make a living. You know, right. jam bands were big, alt country was big, and it was kind of like a Ryan Adams Springsteen okay. kind of Black Crows thing. So you could just tour all over. And I toured with the Wallflowers for ten months, you know, stuff like that. Out opening for them. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, open for some big bands, open for Petty. Uh, open for uh, Lucinda Williams, Lenny Kravitz, Black Crow, stuff wow. like that, you know, cool. All but right. never really made it to the next level. But I was, uh, you know, working, a working musician. It's yeah. what I did. Right. And then as the downloading went away, and I always tell this story, this is really what would happen after the shows. I'd be like, hey, you guys want to buy a CD? And they'd be like, no, my friend burned it for me. We love it. Thank you, though. <laughs> and they don't understand. They're going, we stole yeah. it, you know? You're not getting any money, no but money we're into it. Yeah. So I'd yeah. come home. It, to me, I could play all my life like that until it burned to the ground. But when you have band members and they're going, hey, my wife, we we're gone a whole right. summer and I came home with 400 bucks. Right. <laughs> now it's over with. Yeah. So I was kind of, uh, I remember my last gig, really. I had toured with the Wallflowers and it was incredible. And I came home and I was playing Genghis Khan. They had that, uh, that, uh, that, that, Chinese restaurant place. Yeah. A buddy of mine actually just moved out to LA. I was performing there two Fridays ago. Right. Yeah. So I'm in that box and I remember I'm playing it solo acoustic and, uh, there's just people texting and not, and I just got off this big massive yeah. tour, uh, you know, like fucking badass jammers feeling yeah. great. And I was like, you know what, man? And this is really like, oh, six, oh, five. Like MySpace had burned to the ground kind of. Yeah. And Facebook was a quick rise. Out. And yeah. But and it fall. was funny. It's funny. It's just like comedy. You could have uh, two million followers on something and go on the road and no one will come out. Yeah. So, and this is, I'm sidetracking for one minute because I have this thing, the story I read about 1,000 fans. A guy wrote recently, you can Google it, Google 1,000 fans. He said, if you have 1,000 true fans, you could survive as an artist the rest of your life. Because true fan means when you put a ticket on sale, boom, they buy one or a shirt or a CD or a DVD. Each fan spend about $100 on you a year. That'd be about $100,000. Maybe you take home maybe 40 right. or 50, let's just say. Um, you could survive forever. And that sounds easy. A thousand fans. And it's fucking hard. Yeah. My point is. True fans. My point. Yeah. 
My point is, I toured with the Wallflowers for 10 months, and I came home. You think, oh, your life's going to change. I'm back at Genghis Khan, you know? Right. And there's four people texting in my face. They're waiting for their friend to go on. Yeah, you know, they don't give a me. shit about nope. anyone other than the person they came to see. Yeah, and I remember I walked out of there. I put my guitar in, in my car. I had a forerunner at the time, and I drove up to the house, and in my mind, I was like, that was it. That was the last gig. I knew it in my mind, you know? Just like, I can't, I can't Yeah, because I had run its course, yeah. you know? And so I got this job. I go, well, what do I love? I love Harleys. Right. So I got a job over in Van Nuys doing, um, selling motorcycles. And I was really into it for a while. I was like, God, yeah, I love it. I was so, man, I was making, making money. Oh, my God. Yeah. There was one month where I made $12,000. Jesus. You understand when you make no fucking money your whole life as an yeah. artist? $12,000 selling yeah. bikes. And I was like, you know, because I had people skills. Right. And, pe and, I, and I had passion. And you knew, had knowledge on yeah, the subject. Yeah, and I loved and, motorcycles. Right. Just like I love stand-up and music. So... That was great for a while. And then 06 kind of happened, 07, which is Fannie Mae and all that shit crashed. Right. No one was buying bikes and the banks weren't giving loans. So you'd get a guy to buy one and he wouldn't qualify. Right. So all of a sudden I was making like, I'm not kidding you, 900 one month for 30 days of work, six days a week, 940 bucks. Ouch. I remember I was like, this is over. And uh, a guy walked on the lot, and I've never told this story really extensively, but this is what happened. A guy walked on the lot. He said, we need some motorcycles for a movie. And I said, yeah, what, what movie? And they said, it's a, it's a Quentin Tarantino film called Hell Ride. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll help you guys. I love fucking Tarantino. It is, that's yeah. great. So I help them, and then they hire me as a consultant uh, to consult like what the guys wear and stuff. It's a make it legit. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's Dennis Hopper, Michael Madsen, and it's supposed to be Quentin at the time playing this role. And then, um, that guy, Vinnie Jones. Okay. So one day the guy comes down and goes, Hey man, we got, maybe we got a small role for you. Can you come in and audition? I go, sure. Fuck. Yeah. I come in and audition. I get the role as this, uh, ape shit. <laughs> and and so oh, that was the name of the character. And, and this is how fucking delusional I am. I'm like, man, it's going to suck when I go to the store and stuff. People are like, ape shit. You know, like Turtle from Entourage, <laughs> yeah. you know? Jerry's a friend of mine. Hey, yeah. you're a turtle. Yeah. That's all I kept thinking. Like, oh, they're going to be I'm calling gonna me. I'm going to live this down. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking that I'm already fucking buying <laughs> houses and shit yeah. in my mind. You know, Tarantino. Yeah. Then we start up, I realize Tarantino goes, I don't want to act anymore. He drops out. They get Eric Belford to play his role, and, and, and it's a Tarantino Presents. Right. You know, it's part of that grindhouse thing. Sure. So I do the movie, and uh, it was fucking amazing because I – uh, there's no man I love more than Dennis Hopper. Yeah, because he's legend. The, he's a, ultimate artist, actor, and ultimate. Yeah, he if I if I look at any high water mark, it's that man because yeah. what people don't understand is he was a photographer. Yeah, he was a filmmaker, and he was an actor. And not only was he an Iconic actor, too. he was the only guy that worked with John Wayne, James Dean, Marlon Brando. Wow. Okay. He, he did two James Dean films. He worked with Brando in Apocalypse Now. Yeah. And he did a, a, J, a John Wayne film. Wow. No one's done that. Then he directs the iconic fucking 
a biker film, Easy Rider. Easy Rider, yeah. He's in the best David Lynch film ever, Blue Velvet. Right. He directs Colors, the first kind of gang film. Sean Penn's Sean Penn. Right. Pac-Man. So I'm like blown away. And now I'm like, oh, my God, this is fucking amazing, man. And I come back to work and I go, I'm out of here. Yeah, what am I doing? Yeah, I'm out of here. You know, there's no money. I'm ape shit. I don't need this. I'm ape shit. (laughs) And, uh, And I get an audition for an Ice Cube movie called The Long Shots. Okay. Football movie. Right. And shot out in Shreveport. And I don't get the role. And the first day of shooting, they fire the guy that I auditioned for, and they fly me out, and I and all of a sudden I'm on the film. And it's a $35 million film, like a big one from, from the $2 million Hellride. Right. And now it's all of a sudden like, wow, I'm working with Ice Cube, who I worshipped as a kid, NWA. Right. Like there was, to me, that was the new rock. Yeah, that's as dangerous as music got for Fuck yeah, it was Guns N' Roses, and then it went NWA. And, and so I'm on the film. And the guy, and it's basically five guys in the bleachers that are doing crowd work, like, oh, he got it in the nuts, that kind of stuff. <laughs> sure. you know? And the guy next to me was a guy named Earthquake. Oh, yeah. And I didn't know who he was. And at the time, I had always go see comedy. Um, Jay Davis had that show, Life of the Party. And I'd go down and see comedy, and but I'd never heard of him. And he's like, yeah, man. I go, And then Garrett Morris is on the film, who I worshipped from SNL. season one and two, yeah. you know, SNL. So now I'm like, holy shit, man, this is cool. So I start talking to him about comedy and what do I do? And they're like, yeah, get out of here, man. You're 44. <laughs> you know? You're like, I'm like, no, really? I want to try this. Like, yeah, sure. Little late kid. Yeah, right? They're just <laughs> like, dude, you're, you're fucking, you're all, you know? Right. We're on this dumb film out in Shreveport. You're not doing comedy. Right. After a while, though, Earthquake would drop a couple nuggets on me. And at the end of the shoot, he goes, if you try it, I run a show at the Comedy Union. Come out anytime on Wednesdays, I'll put you on. So I get home. And I immediately start doing open mics. Nice. And I come here. I oh, remember. Yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm going to the store, man. That's me. <laughs> That's how I was, too. It's yeah. the first place. Signed up on the potluck. Everybody's yep. like, yeah, you never get on. You know, and I, boom, I was on. Nice. First. You know, oh, and, yeah. I, and I remember the sun was still out. Yep. Because right now in the summer is the worst for potluck. Because it it's, starts at seven. <laughs> it you got two hours of sunlight in a yeah. giant window right next to the stage. Yeah. And I wa- uh, Tony Hinchcliffe was hosting. And uh, I remember I went on and I was like, why are all the people sitting in the back? You know? Right. And I was shaking because I, I hadn't, you know, it's like I'm doing comedy. Like, whoa. Right. And it was really, I've skydived twice. And it was really like skydiving. It was just kind of like, yeah. when you skydive, there's so much adrenaline, more than any adrenaline you've ever got. You kind of phase out for a second. It's like, yeah. And that's a, what it was an like. An unreal moment. Totally. There's no one in the crowd. When yeah. you remember, like, uh, when I started, even when you were around, no one was coming to the store. Yeah. No, no one was coming here. And they definitely weren't coming to the open mic. No. Like, when I started, when I was doing open mics, it was, uh, like 2002 to 2004 or five, essentially. And I guess I continue to do it on those nights anyway, but uh, it there was no one here with reason. Like right. half the lineup on the open mic were like crazy fucking lunatics who like never had a chance at yeah. progressing as a comedian stuff. And then there was a handful of guys who had a reasonable shot, but 
they didn't get up that often because they were losing spots to Boone Shocks and yeah. Mickey and Gaylord Dinglers. That and was I, the shit that was blowing me away. Yeah. Because you know? you're like, oh, wait, there's homeless people. Yeah, and like, I can't get on. Is that yeah. the level I'm at? Yeah, right. I, I remember doing an open mic here where there was like, there was this uh, old lady named Ziggy who was like, just, just barely not crazy enough to be locked up somewhere. Yeah. And then Gaylord and Mickey and Boone Shock. And there was times where it was like, uh, they would do 40 people signed up, 20 comics would go up three minutes. That was the deal back then. And you had to sign up a week ahead of time. And then if you picked a number, you got to go up the following week and be like, I'd come up here, sign up. And then would hear the names they picked off and just be like, that fucking asshole. Yeah. Like, they, what, why are they giving these guys fucking <laughs> even an opportunity? Yeah. Yeah. But if you're not a fucking lunatic, it's, pretty easy to separate yourself absolutely it's just a matter of getting that opportunity right you know who, who are you open micing with do you remember any of the oh, oh, i'll tell you one great story before i came to the comedy store there was kind of this thing where you could do you want to do comedy like uh try it out like uh people like a doctor or whatever and you could do uh like a show at the improv this guy put on like once a month it was like a bringer show but it was for people that always wanted to try comedy, you know? Okay. So my first spot was at the improv on a Sunday and it was sold out. All my friends were there and, and I killed, Hell you know, yeah. like, but your friends are there. Right. You know? I remember I was doing some joke about, uh, BO. Like my buddy said, don't use deodorant because it causes cancer. And I'm like, dude, your BO is giving, is killing me. I'd rather die from, you know, <laughs> From, <laughs> right. from deodorant than your fucking BO. And it was killed. It, it killed. And then my second show, some guy saw me there and they put me in the belly room. It was Jerome and that. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. Cleary. Jerome uh, Cleary. Jerome Cleary and uh, another guy. And they put me on. And I didn't know it was a gay show. Awesome. Yeah. So this is like four days later. And I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking, man, I'm a natural. Yeah. And I went on and I had this bit where I, I, I said, man, I had a dream. I suck in my friend's dick. Well, that's gross. And no laughs. Yeah. And this, this is exactly how I opened the other show. I, I studied it. You know what I mean? I studied yeah, the prepared. five minute tape. Yep. Oh man, I'm going to do it exact. Inflections, make yeah, sure I everything. get the cadence down. Yeah, yeah I was like, <laughs> oh, I breathed there. I'm studying <laughs> yeah. all the moves. And I said, gross. And I remember all of a sudden it was silent. And I heard this guy go, what's so gross about that? Yes. And another guy goes, yeah. And I look and I go, oh shit. It's all men in here. These guys are dick suckers. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck. Now I would just handle it like, no, it was just gross because the guy was like, you know, he, he had a small dick. Yeah, like, yeah. Whatever, you could just yeah. riff on something. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I was like, oh. And then I just I didn't prepare up. for this. Yeah. yeah. And I was, I just fucking ate it so bad. So bad. So then I went home and that was a Friday. And then I came to the potluck. I remember I got on Sunday and then uh, I went on. I, I didn't get any laughs because there was no one in there. Yeah. And, and you don't realize, like, there's no one in there. You, you yeah. do bad. But in your mind, you're just, I'm like, I'm eating it again. Yeah. And I got off, and, and then Tony roasted me on something. He's like, there's a midlife crisis, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, and then I, I burned rubber out of there, and I disappeared for a year. 
and never came back to the clubs and just did open mics seven days a week. I never missed a day. Nice. Seven days a week for, for a full year, and I came back. I remember I signed up, and I got on, and I did good, yeah. like really good. And then Alex Moore came out and went, that was some funny shit, man. Keep coming around. He was Seven run- footer. Yeah, he was running it. He's like, I like, I like you, man. He had tattoos and he was yeah, like a biker. Big dude, yeah. And Alex Moore was really the only guy that talked to me ever at the store for the first year or so. Like I just didn't know anyone. Um, and then I just stayed. I, I came to the store every fucking day. I would stay till three, four a.m. Remember, they used to the doors would be open. Yeah. And I wouldn't leave. I was just studied each guy, and I'd find new guys. Like, oh my god, this guy's great. Yeah. And then you know, oh, I love Eric Griffin. Then and then I remember what really changed it for me was I saw Ian Edwards, and I and that's when guy's I, incredible. That's when it changed for me completely. My whole life I was I looked and I was like. Whoa, this guy's doing crazy, edgy shit. And they're laughing. I love this stuff. And that's when my eyes opened up. Right. Completely do another thing. It, it, two great points he just made that I think a lot of people don't understand when it comes to comedy. Uh, one, it makes more sense now how quickly you've progressed from the simple fact that you were doing shows every night. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people, when they get started into comedy, make the mistake of thinking like, oh, I go up once a week. That's pretty good. And, and you will literally, it'll take you 30 years Absolutely. to grow if that's what you're doing. Yeah. Like when I was, I started in Kansas city when I was in college and I could literally get up if I was lucky twice a week. And that was part of the reason why I wanted to move to LA when I was 21. Once I could get into clubs, I'm like, I got to go because I'm never, it's going to take me a lifetime yeah. to get the stage time I need here. And, uh, I th- compare that to motorcycle riding. Yeah. A guy that only rides on Sunday is never going to be a good rider and he's going to end up crashing or getting hurt or whatever. Right. Because every time you get on that bike, you're like, whoa, cars, whoa, right. whoa, people. Well, I'm on the freeway. It it's needs, to, be, it needs to become like breathing to it you. It needs to become your fucking, your the Part stage of who you are. and everything yeah. is, is you. Right. When you step on there. So go ahead. Yeah. And uh, the second thing is uh, you, you have to, you have to watch comedy. You have to watch it. You, you're never like, I'm at a point now where it, sometimes it's tough for me to watch it just because I've been of course. watching for so long. But I, I watched every night for hours when yep. I first moved out here and started. And it's the only, it's not the only way, but it's the quickest way that you're going to learn just little things. You're going to learn ways, tricks people have. Yep. And, uh, ways of telling jokes and th- things of that nature. Like and, if you don't watch comedy to do. stuff, not to do, especially you can, God. you can learn a lot about what not, what to, not do. to do. I always tell people this, when I was playing music, if somebody came up to me and said, dude, down the street, ACDC rehearses every day and you can watch them for free as long as you want. I would have fucking been there every day every to learn day. Yeah. how to become a powerhouse rock band. Yeah. Now, the reason I say ACDC or Zeppelin or whatever, because there's such a high caliber to me, that's the caliber of comedy that was going on in there. Yeah. And so I said, you mean I could sit back here and watch them all night long free? I can watch Chris Rock roll in. Yeah, that's exactly I can watch what I was Sebastian. Thinking. Yeah. I can watch Louis C.K. Bill Burr. I can watch Bill Burr. Yeah. 
I mean, and the way everything you learn, you learn how they bring the guy up. You learn their the other people's credits. So if you ever get past, you know their credits because you've been in the room. Yeah. You know how to fucking be mean, when to be mean, not to be mean, when the blue star how far comes is on. Too far. Everything, oh, yeah. man. Yeah. And I would come in. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't come to the store. This is a mistake I tell people don't do. They come home here and they just sit, but they haven't gone on in the night. I do all the open mics I can, and then yeah, I end my night here. Right. So sometimes I would get here, and Ian would be on, and it would be a different level of guy, different guys. The next time I get here, it'd be Eric Griffin, like you know, different hours I would be here. Right. So, and again, you're doing the two things that are going to speed you along. Exactly. I mean, it, it it literally it seems like you've been doing comedy for. A decade and a half. Also, I've done over twenty six hundred spots now. Okay, so so so, and you're, you're jumping right in, and you're yeah. saying, you know what? I think I am going to swim, but not in a pool. I'm going to go ahead and try and swim from Alcatraz. And then I I put them all down, you know. Oh wow! I I I uh, put them in my phone, and then I log them just to know when I started a new joke. Wow. When the joke started working, where I went on, you know what I mean? Man, that's incredible. And, and I and I have them all, you know, in my mind. And and these are just regiments of things of discipline I needed because when you're 49, you easily want to stay on the couch and just fucking <laughs> sleep. You know what I yeah. mean? So I, I created a thing of like, okay, I got to get the fuck out of the house by seven or I'm not going to leave the house. Right. Now I'm out of the house. I'm here. Let's I go to a coffee shop or whatever. And I plot what I'm going to work on. And then I get to the open mic and I only work on that stuff that I plotted on working on. I don't go and just go, Hey, what are you guys talking about? It's like, I'm, I'm at work. Let's do these. And then I go to the next open mic and go, this didn't work that good. I listened to it. Tweak I retool it. it. Yeah. And keep doing it. So it, it was really a work ethic. And also the comedy store really saved my life because I was 44. All my friends were married. I had been an artist all my life. And all of a sudden, I got no friends in Hollywood. What, are right. you going to hang out with 20-year-olds? Yeah. So this place saved me because all of a sudden there's guys my age, like Bill Burr, who's yeah. into rock music. Or, or you yeah. and I fucking talk, you know what I yeah. mean? Or it, Eric Griffin. There's enough... Uh, characters and and oddballs that this is one of those few places in the world where if you're weird you fit in exactly if you're a normal person you won't fly here and you know but what if you we're got, weird as fuck we're yeah. like i can't go to hang with friends and have kids and shit because i've never had kids and i've been in the entertainment business all my life so when you're at a house and they're like it's jimmy's fourth birthday i'm like man i saw acdc on back in black tour <laughs> you know what i mean i remember uh, i remember jason Learn inviting me. Yeah, it comes. My kid's birthday, man. He's gonna be three. I'm like, I, I can't do that. Yeah, I can't go to your your kid's birthday party. That's, it, it, it's gonna it's, be weird. It's so true, right? <laughs> and then people are just like, so what do you do? And they try to make you feel shitty. Yeah, like so you're pretty much just a loser, huh? You're not a homeowner and married and uh, yep. with a seven figure job. It's like, nah. Yeah, no, not, I don't want to be that. Not either. gonna be either. Yeah, I'm not gonna be. You know. So it really saved my life, and. uh and last night, people always say, oh, I hear that place is haunted, the comedy store. Yeah. And this really happened to me last night. And this is why I was glad that we we're doing the podcast today. It was the first time 
I got off in the main room and I, I, I had a great set. I, I felt good and I was walking and then it felt like something went in me. I was like, whoa, man. And I realized, and I always say this, but I walked down the hall and I went, man, this fucking place is great, man. I yeah. th- that just came out of me without anything. It was almost like Tourette's. I was like, fuck, this place is great. Yeah. It was weird. It, it, it felt like a ghost went in me. Yeah. Yeah, and there's so many times where I'm just like, this place is fucking, the energy in this place is just addicting. It is. And, and it's like two weeks ago, I think it was two weekends ago, I did main room show here on a Saturday night, and it was like sold out, like 350 people yeah. or whatever it was, just packed. And I followed Dalia, he just crushed. And the crowd just kept the energy going. So yeah. it's like everything I was saying, like, he had done so well, they were just ready to keep laughing. So yeah. then I did great and had so much fun. And then I had a spot uh, at the improv. So I was just like, eh, keep this shit going. Went over to the improv yeah. and there was nine people there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so stole your soul. Yeah. I was like, oh, this, this isn't the same vibe at all. And it, I mean, the show was okay. It was, yeah. uh, uh, I can't think of his name right now. I was hosting it. So he was doing like, 15 minutes in oh. between each act. Oh. It's just like, there's nine people here. Yeah. Just fucking get through this. Yeah. Let's just burn through them. So then my, my 12, 15 spot, it was like one forty by the time I got up. Oh. It's just like, Oh man, I can't stand when people are rude like that when there's no one in the room Yeah, or it, just when they're rude in general, you know, it's just like, there's no one here. Let's I, just eat, do it and go. Yeah. Eat. I have a mentality with hosting that I don't, to me, it seems like this should just be the mentality. Like everyone should follow this rule. And it's yeah. obviously not the case and everyone does their own thing. But the way I look at it, when you're hosting a show, it's not your show. You're working for the show. Yep. You're there to keep that thing going. You're not supposed to act like you need to do a full headliner. Yeah, they're act. doing four 15-minute spots. Yeah. I, I got my headliner set in each. Split uh, up. Yeah, split up like a pizza. Terrible. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it was so frustrating i'm just like man i tell you you learn a lot when you're when you're coming up you learn who's mean to you and you learn who's good to you and and i just brush it off because it's it does it used to bother me and then i realized you know what i worked a job where all the people sucked eight hours a day with them yeah this is just two, three minutes in a hallway. Right. And we're all in this fucking hard ass shit. As corny as it sounds, man, pick your guy up and try to fucking, you know, it's like war out there, man. Yeah. And sure, there's going to be comedy that you don't like or, or, or styles or whatever. But you know what? If everybody was Bill Hicks, it wouldn't work. I love Bill Hicks. Yeah. But if everyone was Bill Hicks, it just doesn't work. You know what I mean? If everybody is Drew or Jim Carrey, it doesn't work. You know, you need all flavors. And once I started realizing that, I'm like, all right, I'm good with myself, you know? And I learned a lot from Bill Burr on that because you're easy to go like, fuck this guy. Yeah. And then you're like, ah, I don't really... I don't even know the guy. Yeah, I don't care. I I, I, I used to be really bad. I I talk a lot of shit, but I used to be horrible. Like, it was just like... I would just despise somebody because I didn't yeah. like their style of comedy. Right. And I eventually grew, just, I guess, matured to where I'm just like, 
let him do his shit. What is? What do I care? If crowds yeah. like it. Crowds like it. I remember Robert Kelly told me something. He said on my podcast, you know, it's a lot like I used to judge people by the music they listen to. And uh, it, it's like, well, are we in sixth grade? You can't be friends with that guy because he doesn't like, you know, Mars Volta. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, yeah, they probably didn't grow up as an only child and needed something to escape. They right. probably had some family love. Yeah. Maybe that's why they love the NFL. Right. I don't love the NFL. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, sure. I yeah. love the 49ers. I saw some of the best shit, but it's not my life. You know? So right. I, I, I try to figure it out. It's tough though, because you're, it's so fucking hard what we do. And you've got all these dynamics around it, you know, and you're just going, fuck man, let's just try to work together. But, yeah, you know, it, it is what it is. You need a little bit of evil, though, for sure, to get that good comedy. Yeah, no, yeah, no one's going up no. and crushing. with just my life has always been Fuck great. No, <laughs> Fuck no, man. And you know, it's only probably going to get darker for me. You know, yeah. the, well, the more, I mean, the more you figure out your voice, the more you're like, I just, I'll just let it all out there. Right. <laughs> you know, it's now you've uh, you've opened for a lot of great comics. I know like I'll see you posting yeah. going for a lot of great guys. Who's, who's been, who's the, has the most fun crowds for you? Who do you love touring with? They're all different. So I open for Marin, uh-huh. open for Russell Peters, open for Delia, open for Bill Burr, open for Eric Griffin. Uh, uh, they're all, those are all different. Eric Griffin, great crowd. Cause it's workaholics fans. Right. They're young. They love music. They party. Right. They're still living like it's fucking. Yeah. Like they're in their twenties. Exactly. <laughs> which, which they are. Yeah. You know? So that's a great dynamic for me. Uh, I love to open for Burr or Marin because it's a serious fucking comedy crowd. And then you go, all right. I want to, I, I want to be a comedian. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be a character, you know, like people, right. you know, sometimes they're like, this guy's a character, but it's like, I'm a, I'm a comedian, man. Right. And in those crowds, you want to be a comedian. So those are fun because they're really stressful because those are the comedy nerds out there. Right. The Marin crowd is probably the most, uh, the best loyal comedy crowd that's a it's a smart cynical crowd too right. so like right. they're, they're ready to hate they, they are they came to see mark Marin and they're they're gonna love him yeah. but you gotta and, bring a game and Marin really changed my life so uh when i was on his podcast it changed my life the next day so i love doing that and then the delia crowd is fun because it's a lot of dates so the women are love chris and then the dudes love me they're like all right this guy's crazy you nice. know what i mean i love yeah. that part of it you know so that's fun i'm picking up dudes they're like yeah i brought the lady you know she loves chris you know, i like that shit you were you Hell know yeah. that's and, funny and they're all great guys man um I've been fucking so lucky to work with these people because I've learned so much from them. And, um, and they're just, they're all great people in their own way. And the help they've given me is beyond without them. I'm, I'm, I'm still in the belly room for right. real, for real without them, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, my comedy progressed a lot quicker once I was able to go on the road with Paulie and dice and like just do real comedy in a place where there's real Americans there. Yeah. It's not yeah. Southern California Showbiz industry. People. Yeah. Bastards. You might even call them. Um, 
It's yeah, really different, right? It is. It's very weird. And the dice thing for me is kind of the opposite of what you're saying with Dalia. Yeah. Like uh, I'd go to a dice show and once I got control of my comedy and it was like I was doing well at these shows, dudes would go and a lot of times, I don't know why, they'd bring a girl with them. Yeah. And uh, the dudes obviously love dice, so they, they every, love everything he does and says. And afterwards, every chick that was at the show yeah. would come up and be like, oh, my God, I loved you. You know, you were oh, so great. great. And I wasn't really so into him. I'm like, yeah, you think? Yeah. <laughs> Is it because yeah. he, he called you whores? Yeah, the, you whores. For an yeah. hour and 10 yeah. minutes. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, it was great. I just It was always like dudes waiting around to talk to dice and then yeah. just tons of girls just, oh, my God, you were so great. And I loved everything you said. And I, and I got to have cool experiences. I always say, like, when I went with Paulie, you go to places where uh, people love son-in-law. That's yeah. essentially, yeah. that's like the demographic that he's pulling. That was the one movie wherever we went, people would always be, hey, Paulie, yeah. if you want to come over and stay with us this week and we can make another son-in-law. <laughs> It'd be like, we'd be in Sharifport or yeah. Brownsville, Texas. Yeah. yeah. And so it was like, I'm seeing all these random middle America, Bible Belt places, uh, Dayton, Ohio, Wichita. Yeah, he does them all. Yeah. Saw the documentary. Yeah. So it's like, I, I was seeing places I, I guarantee I will never see outside doing comedy. And, it's, you yeah. know, someday I'll probably do comedy there again. But it's incredible. Though, you're not right? going to go to that place otherwise. Yeah. And then with Dice, he's very specific. Like with his crowd is very specific. And I, I know he does random shows every once in a while. Like he'll do a casino in Oklahoma or something. Yeah. But for the most part, it's like he does Miami, New Jersey, New York. Vegas. Wow. And so it's like, you're just doing these cool places yeah. where it's like, I'm going two weeks with Pauly to nowheresville. Yeah. And then it's like, then I'm spending a week in coconut Grove and Miami with dice, just fucking feeling like I'm on top of the world. Yeah. Got to meet OJ Simpson came to yeah, one of our right? shows. Yeah. You like, also met uh Fucking um, Mitch Hedberg. Mitch Hedberg, Fuck, yeah. Fuck, man. Hedberg and OJ together. Come on. And then I, I mistakenly gave Hedberg his bag of vitamins back. <laughs> I love that and, story. Uh, yeah, and then he was dead like three months later. I'm like, God, I, I sure hope that yeah. that had nothing to do with that bag of pills I saved for him. But it's like, like those experiences are stuff that, in my mind, like, I'm so proud of having that. And I'm so excited about like just the thought of being like, man, I was 23 years old and I was hanging out, getting drunk with OJ Simpson yeah. and Mitch Hedberg. When I was a kid, dice was the biggest. Yeah. And then I brought him on stage. Yeah. Yeah. I listen to this story, man. I was fucking Chris rock was a God to me when I was growing up. He's the one who made me want to be a comedian. Uh, I saw bring the, the pain and bigger and blacker yeah. made me want to be him comedy. And Seinfeld. Were the dudes to me like I would see him every time they were like I, I I went and saw Seinfeld all over Vegas Tahoe Circle Star Theater in San Jose nice you know I'd go see these guys and Chris Rock man I saw Chris Rock at the Paramount Theater two different times and Mario Joyner opened both times and it was some of the funniest laughing I've ever had just killing I was in the store a year ago and I just finished my set. And then Jeff Scott said, oh, we got a special guest. And I go, oh, cool. Who is it? And he came up and he whispered in my ear. And it, I thought he said Chris Farley as a joke. You know what I mean? I just thought, like, Chris, what? And he goes, yeah, Chris Rock. And I was like, wow. 
I'm fucking bringing up Chris Rock right now. Like one of the reasons I do comedy. Yeah. And I brought him up and it was just unbelievable. You know, yeah. that kind of shit you just never forget, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I brought up Chris Rock twice. And the first time I did it, I was like, oh man, this guy, he was the first comic that whose special I watched where I was like, that's what I want to do with my life. Yeah. And uh, I was a huge fan of him on SNL. Like that's the era of SNL. Right. I grew up watching. I was born in 81. So yeah. like late eighties, early nineties when it was like I was Phil a, Hartman. I, I was a sophomore in high school. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, those are the guys that like I wanted to be. And uh, so I brought him up, you know, just, he gave some of his credits. I'm like, this dude's a legend of comedy. I brought up Chris Rock, and he's me. Like, oh man, that's too much of an intro, man. Oh, yeah, and he's yeah, like, yeah. Now, now these people are gonna expect something yeah, from me. Drop your expectations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah. That's I funny. did the same thing too, and I kept thinking he was like, you know, like in the back watching me going like. Man, I'm the reason he does comedy. Fuck, yeah, that guy up. sucks. Yeah. <laughs> That's the same thing I was yeah, thinking. I mean, there's nothing you're going to do that he's going to erase your it's set immediately, like, yeah. how great he is, you know? And then uh, there's a couple other... Oh, his brother, Tony, yeah, uh, brought me up on stage last year, and uh, I was sitting in the back watching him, and he's having a pretty good set. And Tony's he's a funny comic as well. Yep. Um He's not Chris, but no, no, he's different funny. style. Yeah, different style. Yep. Um, but he he got done. He was doing really well. And then he said, uh, "Who's next?" And Jeff said, "Rick Ingram." Yeah. And he goes, "Oh, for real? He's here?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Oh shit! Tony Rock knows who I am. Yeah. That's great." Yeah. He's like, "Oh man, this dude is so funny, man. He's a favorite here." I'm just like, "Yeah, he's, he really knows who I am." And he's like, <laughs> "Give it up for my man, Rick Reagan." Oh. <laughs> I was like. This motherfucker, Rick Reagan. Oh my god! And then Jeff Scott's just losing it, <laughs> laughing in the microphone over there. Rick Reagan. <laughs> you know, I, I wish, honestly, I wish my name was Rick Reagan because that sounds way cooler Fucking than Rick Ingram. But just so funny, like he really sold it to where I'm just like, wow, okay, that's cool. This guy yeah. knows who I am. Yeah. He's saying like normal things. You know, wasn't giving like the uh, Comedy Central or whatever. It's just yeah, like, yeah. Clubs and colleges yeah. all over. He's like, oh, this guy's a favorite here. I'm like, oh, I think I am a favorite here. This is, oh, he does know oh, Rick Reagan. And I just lost it. I walked <laughs> up there. It was just like, that's so great. It's it's wild that, you know, comedy, I, I describe to people, it's the only business where beginners and intermediates work with the pros. Yeah. It, it, you don't go see, you know, you don't go see White Stripes and uh, three other bands from the country fair right. playing with them. And then after White Stripes, maybe you see Led Zeppelin. And then after them, you see like Jimmy. Yeah. You know, and you're like, ah. Oh. And, and the kid and, down the block, they've never played outside their garage before. Exactly. It's <laughs> the only biz where the giant stars, yeah. I mean, Louis C.K., Chris Rock, all these guys mingle with the beginners. Yeah. And and I think that's what really it's funny because I I saw Louie on um I listened to him on Howard Stern a couple of weeks ago. If you're a comedian, listen to the interview. It's from uh, May 14th or 15th, on, and it's incredible. So he said, "Man, I'm out there in like Bushwick and and you know Brooklyn and stuff, watching these guys, new guys, and I just I miss that because they just have no, you know." 
no pressure. Yeah. yeah, they just up there like ah, try whatever they shit. want. Yeah, and he's if they like, get like, if they get half a laugh, they get off. And like that wasn't yep. too bad. Exactly, and yeah. he and he and of course he's the most super successful and everything, but you can get it, you know. And it's funny, people always told me when I started, don't skip the process. Yeah. Don't try to fucking shoulder rub your way in the back door or whatever. Do the work and enjoy each year as much as you think it sucks ass. Yeah. The next year, because I'm on my sixth year now and it seems way harder than your third year because your sixth year, you're like, well, I'm open for big guys. I'm, I'm all over the place, but no agents or managers will touch me. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm too old or whatever. And Dude, I'm 15 years in and no managers exactly. or agents will touch me. That's what I'm saying. Right. So you're just like, enjoy each yeah. year and don't complain and don't try to compare because uh, as much as everyone's says it it's true each one has their own journey yeah you know I, I used to be really bad about it like it used to infuriate me yeah. every time someone got a break and i'd be like i'm funnier than that guy yep and it took me a long time to get over that to where i'm just like it's I'm, fucking hard i'm on a different path it's hard We're all on our it own really path is. so it is hard and I, i'm you know there's been comics who i still don't feel are as funny as me right. and one if you if you don't think you're really funny you shouldn't be doing this absolutely so uh, i understand that i i i have a warped view of myself in terms of what i expect and i think i'm funnier than people but there's people who i, I think a lot of people would agree aren't as funny as me but they're considerably better looking than me right oh and, and they're they're a lot their brand is more sellable than i am right and for the that's longest time, talking it, it infuriated me, and eventually I'm like, "That's not. I'm never gonna be. I'm never gonna go out for the great looking guy role." Right. Like, uh, I've been way better in the last five or six years, to where it's like, when successful things happen for great guys, like when Brent Morin, yeah, uh, got his show and stuff. Like, it just made me happy. Where yeah. it's just like, that dude is great. He's super nice. Deserves it. I've had girls be like, he looks like every good guy. He looks like the good looking guy in every town in America. I'm like, fuck, I should invest in him then because it's yeah, yeah, yeah. going to sell. Yeah. Um, but it, it took me a long time just to fucking I get be comfortable with me Yeah. to where it's just like, okay, uh, I'll get mine eventually. It's just not going to be the same way. No one's going to be like, Ooh, who's, who's Robert Redford up there on stage. Yeah. yeah. But I, get it, you know, I, I, I always try to read things from big comics and I love Sarah Silverman. Like I'm, I'm I think she's incredible. And I remember a thing I read stuff in it and it's almost like it plants in my brain as help. As soon as I'm starting to have a breakdown, like, Oh, what the fuck, man? It seems like I find something on the internet and it's like a little piece of uh, brain candy. And one was from her. It said, uh, stop complaining and be undeniable. Yeah. And she said, you know what? Nobody wants to hear just the fucking guys in the corner going, fuck that guy and fuck this yeah. guy and fuck that. Because you know what? It gets old. Okay. She said that another one I heard from a guy was promote what's great, not what you hate. 
And I really believe in that because I used to shit on music all the time. I'd be like, fucking Justin Bieber and Britney Spears and fucking Miley Cyrus, you know, burned to the ground. Right. And a guy told me something that was so awesome once. He said, you know, promote what's great, not what you hate. And the reason why is the Biebers, the money spills down and the white stripes guys get to pick a little bit of it up and they get signed. Right. Meaning this massive They're making a ton of money and it spills and they can down. use that money. There's one real guy, artists. there's yeah. one guy that has a vision. He goes, what about this band rival sons over here? Right. Meaning same in comedy. If you don't like a guy's genre, he's still bringing shitloads of people to the club where some people are going to see your stuff right. and leave walking away where if that guy wasn't here, the seats would be empty. Right. So it's a machine. And once you realize that Hollywood is a machine, just figure out how to fucking Work get into the in. machine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my, Mark Marin actually uh, pulled me aside one night. I was on stage just bitching and complaining about shit. And uh, I got off stage and Marin, uh, I, I foolishly uh, picked a MySpace fight with Marin. Yeah. Just like I saw him say something, I'm just, started kind of baiting him and he started, he just started shredding me to pieces. <laughs> and, and part of me was like, this is great. Cause Mark Marin knows enough about me that he's picking me apart. And the yeah. other part of me is like, wait, what am I doing? I, I don't want to be destroyed by a master. Yeah. 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 So I immediately got on there like, Oh no, I was just kidding. Nothing to worry about. <laughs> and, uh, so then I was up, uh, a couple weeks later, I was up on the stage and I was just bitching about something. And I got off stage and I was sitting in the back and, uh, I was complaining some more to some people and Mark Marin walks up and he taps me on the shoulder and he goes, Hey, stop being bitter. No one gives a fuck. Yep. And I was yep. just like, and, and part of me, I'm like, is, is Marin fucking with me? Cause yeah. he seems kind of bitter, but then it's like, what he's talking about is true. Like, well, he knows I, I could complain forever. No one's going to give a shit. No one's going to be like, Oh, Rick's not happy. Yeah. He, doesn't, he doesn't like these things. We should definitely give him a break then. Yeah. It's just like, be you, do you. That's it. Fucking. I learned something from all the the guys. It doesn't fucking, you know what I mean? It's like, look, dude, you're, there's a million of you out there. Yeah. There's a million of you. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and if you make it, it's a million to one. Yep. So, you know what? Just fucking go do the work and enjoy it. Yeah. That's it, man. It, and, and, it, and it sounds corny, like, oh, easy to say. Hey, man, I have dark fucking times. Yeah. You know, sometimes I'll talk to Mark. Marin to me is exact, exact to the Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, character in Almost Famous. Yeah. You call him at late night, like, man, you know, like, you know, just for laughs, they just bring in these open mic guys. Yeah. And I'm, I'm all over the place. And he's like, doesn't matter, man. Who cares? Yeah. You know, he's just like that guy. Yeah. You know, well, of course I'm home. I'm not yeah, cool. Yeah, we're all not cool, I, man. Marin is that guy to me. That's and he's awesome. my older brother. He's the dad I didn't have around. And he's the good comedy friend. Same right. with Burr and Ian and stuff. Ian was the guy that told me, man, your shit sucks, dude. You're <laughs> hacky and, and you're way funnier in the hall. That's and, what Freddie Soto did that for me. Yeah. He and watched I, me on. He was like talking about, yeah, I'll, I'll get my manager to come out and watch you i was like oh cool and then he watched me he's like i can't do that yeah he's like you're endlessly funnier when i talk to you in the parking lot that, than you are that's up there. what he did to me I so then like, oh, okay. i took me a year i dumped everything and yeah. started over and i was just eating it but without 
without this is another key phrase watch out what you get famous for because ian said look you want to get famous with these shitty jokes and right. then you're just going around america doing shit yeah and i was like you're right dude or or you're gonna get you're gonna get that opportunity to showcase for that and you're gonna present dumb shit yeah and then that's how they're gonna remember you forever totally the, the decision makers aren't gonna be like We'll see if he grows. They're going to be like, oh, I saw this guy. He they sucks. Don't, they fucking remember like it was yesterday yeah. somehow. You're like, what about this guy? Oh, nah, yeah. I saw that guy. Yeah, but that was in 82. <laughs> Doesn't matter. He sucked Trust in 82. Me. He's not good. Everyone sucked when they yeah. started. Doesn't matter. He, he fucking, yeah. he, he wanted a showcase too soon. Yep. He pays the price. Yeah, it's true. And that's why I don't showcase. Yeah. Everybody goes, hey, you showcasing for this or that? Nah, I'm just doing comedy, man. Right. That's all I'm fucking doing. Yeah. You know? Thanks um, for having me, dude. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming by. Uh, you have you have uh, several podcasts, don't you? I have right? the one podcast, but I do two versions of it. It's called Let There Be Talk. So on Monday, I drop, uh, which you did, which check it out. Rick Ingram did an episode, and it's incredible. His journey is awesome, and I love the guy and have nothing but the biggest respect for him. So please follow him, because uh, I know people are going to be listening to this that that follow me. Right. Uh, um, um, so it's, it's let there be talk, let there be talk, iTunes, iTunes. Okay. And then on Thursday, I drop a live version where I take calls and that's called bitching on let there be talk. Nice. Cause I was getting too many emails. I answer all the emails personally, right? but it's just like, Oh, I come home at night. I'm like, I feel bad if I don't eat, uh, you know, return yeah. them. And there's fucking hundreds, you know? So I'm like, just call me. Right. So now people call in and it's fucking badass. And I dropped that on Thursdays. Nice. All right. And then uh, and I'll have you come do the uh, the call in one because I have guest hosts and stuff. Be sweet. It's badass. Um, and you're on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. Dean Del Rey. And also uh, I'm uh, going to be I, I, this coming out this week. So I'll be on the road with Mark Marin in July. OK. And uh, I'm headlining the Denver Comedy Works. That's the main gig I want to pump June 30th through July 3rd because it's one of the most prestigious clubs in America. Yeah. Denver Comedy Legendary. Works. Yeah, it's so fucking good. People so, talk raves I, about it. So, yeah, go check them out. Uh, dude, thank you All the you listeners so in Colorado, definitely go out and uh, see Dean when he's there. What were the dates? June 30th through July 3rd. It's the 4th of July weekend. Perfect. Get yeah. some get some all-American comedy with Mr. Dean Del Rey. Yeah, light the candles. <laughs> Dude, thank you so much Thanks for, for being me. on, man. I love this place, and I love you, man. Um, comedy Store, come check it out. Follow Comedy Store on Twitter, Facebook. Periscope. Periscope. They're periscoping now. They're probably still vining. I'm not sure. Um, but come out. If you're in L.A., come see a show. If you live here, come regularly. It's it's a fun place. 8433 Sunset. It's right in the heart of uh, Sunset Boulevard. So um, come check it out. And uh, thanks for listening. Oh, guys. also, if you're a tourist and you're coming, come every Monday. It's free for the potluck. You're, oh, true. Every Monday is free. And you will see some of the, uh, the most insanity you've ever seen. Very true. Characters. Uh, in every corner. So, yeah. And there's a lot of corners here. <laughs> uh, thanks, guys, for listening. It's Comedy Store Podcast. My guest today was Dean Del Rey. And uh, thanks for coming, man. Thank you, dude. I love you, man. Peace.